Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Truth About Trucking, live, hosted by Alan Smith, a 30-year OTR veteran, business entrepreneur, and motor carrier transportation consultant, specializing in assisting students and new drivers, and pushing forward to raise the standards of the trucking industry. And now, live from beautiful Citrus County, Florida, here's your host, Alan Smith. everyone. Thanks for joining us this evening on Truth About Trucking Live. I'm Alan Smith, and it is Tuesday, June 23rd, 2009, and we are live from the Sunshine State, and we are here to continue our recent discussion on a topic that many find a little hesitant to talk about, and some who would rather not talk about it at all, as surprising as that may seem, but... We are discussing it here because it's a larger and much bigger problem than some want to recognize. And, of course, I'm talking about hostility and abuse within the workplace. It has been going on for years, and many veteran drivers know about it, but it has remained an issue that has been kind of swept under the rug by drivers and companies and some of those in uh, management and corporate positions for a very long time. And we are going to be discussing these acts that have long been kept quiet in our efforts to bring about more awareness to this uh, serious problem that in just recent times has been called an epidemic in our society and even around the world. So hostile training and work environments within trucking is our special two-hour show for this evening, but it's not really all about trucking. It is in the workplace all over. And we have a very special panel of guests who will be touching on various areas of their expertise and knowledge of these subjects and what they have seen and experienced. And most importantly, we want to discuss solutions for this epidemic within our workplace and uh, this hostility and abuse that so many are experiencing. And so this show is going to be a kind of roundtable discussion format with our special guest, and we... um, Don and I have received many emails and phone calls from a lot of you across the country telling us about the things you've experienced, but most of those who contacted us were uh, just a little concerned about coming on the show, largely because they were worried about losing their jobs, and we can understand that, and we would not want that to happen. So that's the reason for our roundtable format show for this evening. But we do have uh, several callers uh, going to be calling in and uh, who did want to come on and give their story about what happened to them and uh, when they attempted a career in trucking and we will have them on in just a few minutes to kind of set the stage for this evening's show Uh, just remember we do not want to give out any specific names of trucking companies or schools or whatever simply because i feel it would not be fair to do so when there is no uh, representative from that company or school or whatever here with us is uh, this evening to uh, share their side of the uh, circumstances. So uh, before I bring up the callers, I want to um, uh, get, tell you a little bit about who our special guest for the show uh, this evening is. And uh, with us are, uh, I'm looking, let me see, I don't know if he's called in yet. He may still be working to call in. Let me look. 
Uh, don't see him yet, but we are looking for Yancey Thomas. Uh, he is a founder of You Can Learn Basic EmployeeRights.com, and he is a trained mediator in general civil, business, and employment issues under the Tennessee Supreme Court Rule 31. And he is on the National Panel of Certified Employment Law Mediators through the Alliance for Education in Dispute Resolution and Cornell University. And Mr. Thomas will be discussing the definitions of harassment and will be replying to and uh, being interactive during the show with our other guests and callers. And also with us, a veteran driver and former trainer, Damien of SmartUnion.WordPress.com. Damien is an advocate and activist for truck drivers, as well as a union advocate, and he continues to drive uh, OTR and remains available to help others in their journey through uh, their trucking careers. And he'll be speaking about his experiences and the psychological effects that companies place on their drivers, and that sounds very interesting. And uh, we're going to have J.B. Schaffner of TheAmericanDriver.com. He's a seven-year OTR driver and former trainer as well, and he's a strong advocate for truckers and human rights. And he and his brother Fred, also known as Silver Surfer, recently was the major part of the victory abolishing the two-hour parking limit at the Virginia rest areas that we all know were uh, forcing drivers to break federal law by driving tired and causing a safety hazard on the road, that two-hour limit will now or soon be replaced with a more appropriate ordinance that will allow drivers their 10-hour uh, breaks. So, uh, JB will be discussing his experiences during his time uh, training, including stories that the women, uh, uh, women have, that have shared with him. And we have uh, Desiree Wood, a very active advocate in many things, including trucking, and is uh, very well known within the industry as host of the blog TruckerDesiree.com, and she is active in driver and student rights as well as human rights, of course, and she just recently went before her state and testified before the Criminal Justice Committee helping to get Texas Bill uh, HB 2932 and its companion bill, SB 1558, to be passed into law and those were relating to including in the law enforcement information system information indicating that criminal defendants have um, committed certain additional offenses, uh, falling under the subject of crimes against persons, sexual I-0171, and Desiree will be discussing uh, the causes, she believes, of why harassment is going on in trucking. And for the last... Uh, 30 minutes or so, all of us will jump in together and discuss solutions to these problems that we'll be addressing. So these are our special guests for the evening, and as you can see, they are actively involved, actually doing something to bring about change and better work environment for drivers as well as in the general workplace. So uh, I'll open up the lines here in a moment. I'll just say a big welcome to everyone, and we'll be jumping in here in just a moment and let um, our special callers here that I can see on the line share their experiences with us, and then we'll move to our guest panel and hear from all of you to discuss the uh, certain areas of topic that you so inclined to do. And, of course, uh, Donna is with us as well. And so, Donna, thanks for co uh, Let me pull you up here. Let me just pull... Uh, let me just pull up everybody here, get this thing going. I have a lot of people on the line. Uh, get I'm here. Good. 
Hi, everybody. How about a big hello? Yeah, let me get them all pulled up here. There we go. It takes just a second. Uh, this one, I know that one. Uh, I'm going to wait on here because I'm not for sure um, who this is. So, uh, okay. Um, everybody should be open mic. Everybody there? How's everybody doing? Hi. Hi. How you Hello, doing? everybody. Hey, good. Okay. We'll sort this all out. Donna, I just noticed that Yancey was trying to call me on the phone, so maybe he was having some kind of problem or something. Yeah, he said he's um, he, he he called in. Is he on the line now? Uh, well, I have I have a number showing all all ones, which is yeah, a private, I think that's well, maybe him. That's him. Uh-huh. Okay, mm-hmm. let me pull that line up. Uh, take it here just a second. This thing's kind of slow here. Uh, Okay, Yancey, are you here? Are you there? Can we hear you? Yes, I'm here. Okay, oh. there you are. So, okay, Donna, thanks. So, like I said, thanks for co-hosting the show. Let's uh, let's get this thing rolling. Okay, hi, Yancey. How are you tonight? I'm How fine, Donna. How are you? I'm great. Uh, we're very excited that you were able to uh, fit this into your very busy schedule tonight. Um, when when I first spoke with you, uh, you were you were very excited as well as everybody else on this show to participate in this as um, this is a, a topic that you're very well familiar with. Um, I thought we could just get it started tonight. And uh, just can you give us some definitions to, to get people, you know, really involved? What is uh, some examples of hostile work environment, you know, like bullying and sexual harassment, manipulation, all those things, you know, if you could just give us a little rundown of all that. Okay. Well, first of all, Donna, let me uh, thank you and Aubrey for so graciously inviting me to participate on the show tonight. Um, I'm I'm really excited about it. And as you know, we had an extensive discussion the other night about this whole issue, and I look forward to getting a uh, really good education and a lot more insight into the trials and tribulations that employees face in the trucking industry. I also really want to thank and I'm excited that uh, Desiree Wood is also a part of the discussion. Uh, she and I were able to interact uh, as well. And just uh, listening to her story is just amazing that she has such a, a tremendous talent for imagery and uh, just a, a fascinating writing style in describing uh, the, the things that she has endured uh, and persevered under in her trucking um, career. And I want to welcome all the other uh, guests. I had a problem uh, getting in earlier, so I missed uh, some of the names of uh, our panel. Um, but uh, also, let me just uh, briefly just give a caveat. Uh, according, uh, uh, Aubrey gave a, a very good description of my uh, qualifications, but I also want to give the caveat that uh, I'm not a legal attorney or advocate. I am a employee advocate, and any responses that I'm going to give are not a determination of anyone's legal rights or any responsibilities that they may have under the law. And none of the, none of the innovate, in, I'm sorry, information that is uh, contained either on my site or the um, responses I give is to be construed as legal advice. And this information is. Um, for informational purposes only. And, um, again, I'm thankful that uh, you have um, asked me to be a part of the discussion tonight. Now, uh, getting right into it, 
What constitutes work hostile work environment? Now, the specific definition of a work hostile work environment under the Hello, are you there? Yeah, yes. we're here. Okay. Under the um, Civil Rights Act of 1964, a hostile work environment is a form of harassment and discrimination that is illegal. And the uh, wording says, it occurs when any unwelcome comments or conduct that is based on sex, race, or other legally protected characteristics unreasonably interferes with an employee's work performance or creates an intimidating, hostile, or offensive work environment. Now, anyone in the workplace may commit this type of harassment. It could be a management official. It could be the owner of a company. It could be a co-worker. It could be a non-employee, such as a contractor or a vendor, someone who does business with the company. Or it could be a guest or someone who has an intimate relationship with someone who uh, works for that company. Uh, the victim can be anyone affected by the conduct and not just the individual at whom the offensive conduct is directed. Now, we have, as far as the, the outline goes, um, what are some examples of a workplace, a hostile workplace environment? Now, the recent phenomenon that has really not so recent, that has been around for quite a while, but just here in the last 10 or 15 years, according to my research, has become more prominent is the phenomenon of bullying or workplace bullying. Now, as of this writing, I don't believe that workplace bullying has been passed as uh, any legal protection for employees either uh, on the state level and certainly not on the federal level. However, there are several states that are presently considering some employee protections concerning workplace bullying. Now, what are we really talking about when we talk about workplace bullying? Workplace bullying can, you know, in my mind, it, it really has some blurred lines between workplace bullying and what is legally protected as workplace harassment or workplace uh, hostile work environment. Bullying can be anything where, according to Wikipedia, the online encyclopedia, the tendency of individuals or groups to use persistent, aggressive, or unreasonable behavior against a co-worker. Workplace bullying can include such tactics as verbal, nonverbal, psychological, physical abuse, and humiliation. The individual who is the target of abuse may experience some of the following behavior. The target is receives insults, being yelled or cursed at. There's nothing that you can do that's right. Uh, the, the target is obviously treated different from other coworkers. The target is often set up for failure. Derogatory comments are always aimed at the target or targets. The target is frequently excluded from any office social occasions. The target is often abused physically and even humiliated in front of co-workers. 
Now, I've personally had an experience with workplace bullying myself. In fact, in my present employee of about 12 years in a local government, I walked into a workplace that was a hotbed of bullying, discrimination, disparate treatment, and retaliation. And the individual who was charged with training me in my profession, and by the way, I'm an IT professional for and have been for the last 30 years, primarily uh, an employee, also have owned several small businesses, my wife and I. And so I can understand, I can relate and I sympathize and empathize with what employees face all day, every day in hostile work environments. But this individual was charged with training me, and the individual typically ignored me when I would ask relevant questions about our uh, work environment, about the system, uh, everything that was pertinent to me training and being brought up to speed in the uh, the job description that I was in, and the individual would ignore me as if I had, as if I didn't exist, and I'm sitting less than three feet from the individual. Then the individual would embark on one of the aspects that I just named of making me the target of insults, when I and a coworker would seek to basically have to train ourselves, and we would make comments about what we were seeing on the system. All of a sudden, the coworker who was charged with training me's hearing would clear up, and he would make sarcastic remarks that were questioning our competency. So he never had anything positive to say and only had uh, anything to say when it involved making insults or questioning whether we could comprehend or whether we actually were qualified for our positions. So that is one um, example and aspect of bullying. Now, uh, if anyone wants to just jump in, uh, you know, we can if there's any questions or comments, or otherwise I'll just I'll just try to follow the format here. Oh, that's fine. Uh, I'll, uh, go ahead. Is everybody Donna. good? Mm-hmm. Okay. You gonna say something, Donna? Well, I was I was just gonna say um, I don't know who you have scheduled first. On, on there, but they might want to, um, it's either Damien, Desiree, or, or J.D. Well, I'll tell you what, let me, we had a, we had three or four callers that wanted to get in and oh, uh, okay. give, you them, do them? And, and give their story. Uh, I have eight lines up, but they're all full, so they might not have been able to get on, but we do have one caller. Uh, looks like they made it on, so let's get this caller on, and then uh, Yancey will get your uh, response to that one. Okay. So um, have the caller from um, area code 803. Uh, Welcome to the show. Go ahead. You're on the air. Hi. Hi. Are you calling from area code 803? Sir. How are you doing, Alan? I'm good. How are you doing? What's going on? I knew you wanted to call in and uh, share your experience with us. Um, yes, sir. I, I just uh, found out about it. Uh, well, go, go ahead. What were you wanting to, wanting, uh, to say? Well, I hope this would be helpful to students as they're shopping around for. You were, 
and attending a school. There's a lot of breaking up. I'm I'm losing her. I'm not able to hear her. Can you hear me better now? Yeah, we can hear you. Go ahead. I can okay. hear you now. Um, well, I was wanting to speak about hostility and, and uh, some real problems out there in some of the CDL truck driving schools, mm-hmm. um, which I had an experience like that and um, was set up and, and actually uh, dropped from the class after attending a particular uh, school in upstate South Carolina um, for six weeks that I commuted uh, two hours every week to um, to show up and to do this class, and I was really determined to get my class A. But um, you know, maybe you can you guys can kind of help me out with some other questions because I know we got just a short amount of time to cover a lot that happened in six weeks. But um, well, that's okay. Just kind of give us a rundown of what uh, just what happened. Well. Um, what happened, Alan, was that the department head of this particular um, college, um, which I interviewed explicitly over months and before I selected this place, it, it seemed to be the one that would work for me. And um, up front, uh, we interviewed several times by phone, and then I drove up in person, and then we got started in the class. and. Um, I like what he said, and like the fact that he, they had codes and policies that the college enforced, or anyway, he read them out to us. And it seemed like the way the problems evolved is that all of the policies, which were, um, you know, typical among any type of uh, work environment in school, is that you have designated smoking areas, you know, for the smokers. You have dress codes. You have uh, policies against the conduct, you know, the use of profanity or, or you know, not using it. So um, he went over these things the first day, and but nothing was enforced. So, you know, as days went by, it seemed like things got um, everything he told us that, you know, we, the school didn't permit. It seemed like it was more and more of it, and I'm pretty conscientious about things like that, so I confronted him with it and just asked him would he, you know, maybe go to a couple of students or, or maybe, you know, talk this over again in class. And uh, apparently, yes. Hi. Um, when you spoke to me, did you tell me you had an allergy to smoke and um, they were letting them smoke I, in, like, yeah, right around yeah. the class area? So, and, okay. That's right. I'm very allergic to it. It creates respiratory problems for me. Also, there was a middle-aged woman there with her husband that uh, was still undergoing treatment. She was a cancer victim. And um, so, you know, oh, anyway, that, was, that was one of them anyway. That was one of them. Dress code was another. There was just... Um, it, yeah, so it was, I, remember, I remember you spoke with Donna, so... Uh, We'll move this along. So, you just brought these up, brought this up that the the policies that they said would be enforced weren't being enforced because of your allergies to smoke and everything. So, uh, and after you brought that up to the instructor or whoever, that's when your problems began, right? That is really when they began, and it was like a constant uh, badgering and um, just really having me under attack and just. 
calling me into his office randomly if he would see me, which his office was right there where the drink machines and the restrooms were and things of that nature. And he would just waste my time by telling me just unreal things, uh, uh, no truth in it at all. Like he's getting letters every day from the students, letters of complaint. They're writing him a letter <laughs> complaining about me and I'm mistreating them. And um, But the thing is, is I couldn't really interact with the group because the policies weren't uh, enforced. I couldn't be around the smoke. I wasn't interested and would not allow myself to hear the subject matter, which was not appropriate, in my opinion, for mixed multitudes, men and women together. Um, it was like what would go on if it was like in a hunting club full of all men. So I think you kind of get the picture. Um, can I ask? Go ahead. Yeah, this is JB from the American Driver. Um, yeah. How you doing, Donna? Hi, Alan. Hi. Um, thank you for uh, first let me first bring this this issue out into the open. What I'd like to ask you is notice, and I know that I have from my experience, I've noticed that there seems to be a growing general attitude towards the defiance of rules and policies anytime anyone holds within themselves the the or the standards Keeping to those policies and rules and regulations, we are the ones who are singled out that there are problems and, and we are singled out for, for uh, reaction, we, you know, uh, we kind of set aside and, and uh, play. Right, right. And that's, that's exactly what uh, I think Donna had spoken with her earlier and... Uh, uh, anyway, appreciate you calling in. We got to move things on. You can go. You oh, know, I was just gonna. I, I wanted to just just say what. Um, Mickey, are you there? Yeah. Mickey? Turn, yeah. Hold on. Let me turn her mic back on, and uh, let me get it back up here. She's gonna just be listening. But okay, Mickey? go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Mickey, I'm just. I'm gonna go over my notes that we that we spoke together. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. And basically what you told what you told me, and just interject if any of this is wrong, uh-huh. that you were there four weeks and decided. Um, I was there six weeks. Well, when you went to the office, you had up until the 22nd, I believe, of the month to get full tuition. So when you felt that you just didn't fit in with this group, that you went there to the supervisor and he said to you, no, we're happy to have you and you're doing a great job. And that's when you felt better that, all right, well, maybe it'll get better now. And in my notes when we speak, it says right after that, that's when the real badgering started. And I think, um, what did they... They, did, they had some kind of a, they made you do a 25-mile test that wasn't in the protocol or of the uh, of the school, and you were actually the one that could drive there. You had driven before, and they failed you and refused to give you a copy of the test and what you did wrong. Am I correct on all this? Am I... Uh, yeah, a couple of things I want to con- um, want to correct you on, Donna, but uh, uh, that was really good. I was there for six weeks. It was a ten-week program, and uh, no, the four weeks was 
But when you when you told me you had up until the four weeks to get full tuition back, you told them that you were thinking about getting it back, but they said, No, you're doing a great job and we and we're really happy you're here. And then once that four week period went over you had told me that where you could get your full tuition back, then they started with the the real badgering. Is that correct? That's correct, and it does have something to do also with me having feeling like that I needed to go over the head of the department head, go to his supervisor, uh, which I actually went to the supervisor's supervisor and still really didn't get any help. But when I did that, yes, it was very, it was a very hostile environment. Uh, and I'm just amazed that, uh, you know, we're in America. This is 2009. And uh, whatever the gentleman, I couldn't hear everything he was saying, but I certainly heard him say something about people trying to raise the standards in this industry, which there's a lot of people that seem to not, you know, want any evolution. Um, but in any event, that's exactly what happened. Uh, the 25-mile drive, it was definitely part of the of the um, of the course, but it was a setup where they graded me unfairly, knowing that I was one of the best drivers that they had. The students and the teachers alike commented on my ability. One teacher, I quote him as saying that my driving was was just famous, uh, famously. Uh, anyway, uh, the grades that they gave me were just yeah, the grades were just off the grid. So that's what he used. Um, but there were other things before that that happened. I was called a liar. My my character, my moral character, my integrity was constantly demined and criticized by telling me that he thought that I went to my car to get a gun at one point in time to come in and shoot him and one of his assistants that was sitting in on one of these meetings. Uh, Sent me on wild goose chases for appointments. That was a random drug thing. Told me to be there at 8. The office didn't open until 9. It's just all of these things, too numerous to mention in the short amount of time, Donna and Alan, that continued to go on in his plight to get me out of the class. So, um, well, anyway, that's, 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 that's what happened. Um, okay, let's let Yancy, um, you know, Yancy, what do you think about this? Do you see a lot of this? Yes, I'm here. I um I I find it uh very uh, disturbing uh what the young lady was your name Mickey? No, I have I have her off now. Vicky. Okay, her name was Mickey? No, that that was Vicky and she's going to hang on and continue to listen, but that's just okay. one that's just one experience about what's taken place and uh and uh, right. it wasn't even with a trucking company yet. Things started happening to her while still only at a CDL school, so these probably right. all these type of things just sound all too familiar to you. Yes, I would wanted to. Uh, I, she, there was sort of a bad connection. It was a little breaking up a little bit, but uh, I think I had talked to uh, Donna the other uh, the day about this particular case, and I believe she, the uh, caller mentioned something about uh, being allergic to cigarette smoke. Right. Yes. And that um, during the course of her training, she was constantly exposed to cigarette smoke, and she uh, made it clear to the uh, company and or the trainers that she had a problem with that, and they ignored that. Is that correct? Yeah, that's when all her that's when all her problems started was when she just mentioned, you know, hey, I know I'm allergic to this smoke, and she was just bringing it to their attention because it was their policy that they said they enforced. And then after that, uh, 
everything, their attitudes just changed. Uh, they became very belligerent and, mm-hmm. and angry with her, and just like you heard, uh, making her do things that nobody else had to do, and, and basically just forcefully uh, pushed her out of the school that she had already paid for. Well, it sounds to me, um, if she has a, a an established and provable medical condition that um, she can substantiate that shows that she she it is a medical condition where she cannot tolerate uh, cigarette smoke. Uh, that sounds like to me a potential violation of the Americans with Disabilities Act on the part of that company, because it doesn't sound like that there was any dialogue uh, shared uh, on the part of the company. Uh, to uh, provide what's called reasonable accommodation. The Americans with Disabilities Act, according to the EEOC, says this. A qualified employee or applicant with a disability is an individual who, with or without reasonable accommodation, can perform the essential functions of the job. The reasonable accommodation may include, but is not limited to, making existing facilities used by employees readily accessible to and usable by persons with disabilities. Job restructuring, modifying work schedules, reassignment to a vacant position, acquiring or modifying equipment or devices, adjusting or modifying examinations, training materials or policies, and providing qualified readers or interpreters. Now, under what's called... uh, Title I of the Americans with Disabilities Act, the individual with the disability is the person who has a physical or mental impairment that substantially limits one or more major life activities, has a record of such an impairment, or is regarded as having such an impairment. Now, I have a back impairment, and I've had to deal with a lot of trials and tribulations with my employer uh, as relates to the uh, Disabilities Act. And one of the things that we do is when we unpack what I've just read, particularly where it says has a physical or mental impairment that substantially limits one or more major life activities. Now, what is a major life activity? Uh, breathing is a major life activity. So uh, I don't know what the specific circumstances were other than what the caller stated, but that would be, if I were in her position, that would be one of the things that I would be looking at or consulting with an employment uh, attorney who uh, has expertise in the Americans with Disabilities Act because it sounds as if uh, she may have uh, potentially uh, had her rights violated in that area. Would that apply? Would that apply though if she was not actually employed? It was a, it was an educational um, situation, so it, it wasn't really an employment situation. Would that disabilities act still apply? The the. The Employee with Disabilities Act under Title I deals with employment. Also, Title II deals with any state and local government agencies uh, that uh, supply services to their citizens. And Title III deals with businesses making their facilities 
accessible to people who have mental or physical uh, impairments or disabilities. So even though she was not an employee of this company, uh, if that company uh, had is employs 15 or more employees, mm-hmm. it qualifies under ADA under Title III that deals with businesses. You know, businesses have to uh, provide, um, uh, you know, special parking for people uh, who have certain disabilities. You know, you can go to almost any business and you'll see uh, specially designated parking for uh, people with disabilities. Those, those businesses are covered under Title III. And they also not only have to provide access, but um, under the terms of Title III, they have to provide um, the access to uh, not have the person's uh, major life activities uh, exposed uh, to any um, uh, uh, any issues uh, in that regard as well. So I, if I were her, that would be something that I would look into as if there was a potential ADA violation under Title III. Okay. Right. Well, she's, she, she's hanging on, so she's going to keep listening, so that's one thing she can look at. And mm-hmm. we, had a, we had two or three other callers that wanted to get in. I think just all our lines are full and they're not able to, but... but uh, Desiree, let's pull you up. You've been a woman and been out there for uh, about a few years now. I know you've had your share of things, and you wanted to kind of touch on why uh, you believe the harassment is going on in the first place. Well, um, the first first thing is is I think that is, I mean, everybody has, we've had an economic boom in this country for, you know, over 10 years that we have never had. People got greedy and they thought it was a never-ending, uh, you know, money machine that was not, never going to stop. And so every day, every month, every quarter, we thought we were going to have more, 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 and we were trying to squeeze the profit and, you know, lower costs and all of this stuff. This is all a result of overzealous um, desire for cheap labor, and so they've made, created the student trucker industry. And thought it was just going to be a never-ending cash cow. And so um, you've got the government wanting to jack up their labor statistics in the Department of Education and people in the workforce programs that they're trying to get back to, you know, uh, to the workplace, women especially. And they're trying to look at us. We're so good. Look what we've done. We've got all these and you're jacking up and skewing these statistics. But in reality, you have the trucking industry taking advantage of it going, okay, we've got three trucks sitting here. we got a solo driver that's experienced. we got two students that were paying 17 cents each. And we got a truck with one trainer, one student. The student's making 13 cents. The trainer's making 32 cents. It doesn't really matter who's been waiting longer for the road. It's come down to who's going to move the truck cheaper. So um, what has happened is they're trying to drive the, the price down to move this freight. They're driving out the experience drive, and they keep bringing in the students. Well, that's all fine and good, but what they're doing is they're provoking these students so that they can never, ever get 
to the next level. You, you, no reputable company is going to hire you till you've got at least a couple good years under your belt accident-free. So there seems to be a correlation of the way that you get treated. Everybody is, you know, smiling and nodding and patting you on the head for the first few months. And they seem to really lose interest and almost provoke you into into situations where you're going to lose your job. Now, when you add women into this, it adds another component. I, I work for a company that has taken it to the nth degree because they have all teams. Now, that means the truck's running 24 hours a day. It only stops to fuel and switch shifts. That means for me to learn to drive the truck, I've got to trust a total stranger to be driving it that I've never met. Are you getting feedback on me? Because I am. <laughs> no, you're okay. You break up a little bit here and there, but you're okay. Okay, so uh, this is a situation with a couple of these companies that have just really agreed above and beyond the call of duty here. Now, that's where I'm starting to see the problem because they're just basically throwing all these people in a room. And even even if even if it was your your perfect match, you're going to butt heads in a situation like this. I think one of the problems, Desiree, um, was when there was something that happened to one of the the, the student on the truck with the trainer. If something happens. Why is it that they don't want to uh, report it, or what happens when they do report it? What is some typical things that you have found yourself and have spoken with other women about? Well, the first thing that happens is they usually protect the student because they, the student is dollar sign to the company for a period of time. So even if the trainer comes back and says, this person cannot drive and they are a danger to society, the company is telling the tr- trainer, you need to keep your mouth closed, move on. That's one of the things that's happening. Now, the other thing that's happening is that maybe you have trainers that are trained because they have an ulterior motive. They can't uh, run the truck by themselves anymore because they've let themselves get out of shape, or they're a predator, or they... Um, got a control issue, or they can't team up with anybody because they can't get along with anybody, you know. And so what I'm seeing right now is a lot of good trainers are quitting and a lot of crappy trainers are staying. And that is where you're having the problem. It's not just with women. It's just that if a woman complains about anything, you get labeled sexual harassment. And then everybody goes, oh, you're baby sexual harassment. You know, you get this automatic label on top of you. Um, I actually was trained by a woman. I, I knew enough to ask for a woman trainer, even though there's a, quite a long wait for one, and I had heard they were really hard to deal with and stuff. I was prepared for that. Um, I actually had a, a girl trainer. She was very young. She was very sick. She was on a lot of prescription pills. I didn't even realize the volume of how much prescription pills until halfway through the month. 
and the company didn't want to do anything about it. Um, she brought me in short of shifts, and she basically was a teacher, uh, was a trainer because she had gotten in bad shape. She couldn't even do her job anymore. She needed somebody to do it for her. Um, and that and that was fine. But in the final days, I was like, "That's fine. That you can't do your job anymore, and you need to do it. But you need to give me all my so I can test out." She didn't want me to pass, so she actually was trying to sabotage me from day one. And um, that's kind of that's kind of the there's really no cross check. You get a retaliatory trainer or you get a good trainer, but there's really no support from the company. And the reason is, is that students are dollar signs for a period of time. And they're kind of led astray in a way because they really think that they're going to have a new career, and then at about the five-month mark, the whole tide changes on them. And they start being left-sitting, provoked, uh, provoked, things said to them by the dispatchers. So a lot of these dispatchers, from what I understand, are trained more in psychological warfare to marketing tactics than they are in actually logistics work of moving these people in this effectively. That's, part, that's one of the biggest part of the problem. Uh, Greg, let me ask you this. This is JB. Mm-hmm. Basically, what you're, what you're trying to emphasize that screening and background check not efficient enough for the depth personal in, the depth of personal interaction that's a, between the trainee and the trainer. Say that again. You mean background check? That's right. The background check. I really, I personally don't think that they are doing the background check that they say that they are doing because I came with. I from CDL school who was a drug trafficker. And that was my first cue into this, that he was able to get hazardous materials endorsement for being a drug trafficker. And one of the other guys that I was on a trip with was formerly in jail for attempted murder. I was like, seems kind of weird to me that you could be a former drug trafficker. I don't know. Desiree, right, we're losing you. You're going in and out. Yeah, we've got a bad connection or something. I might want to check your mic or your feedback or something but um, are uh, you driving or you no, I'm no I'm part I heard that lady come on the line that radio lady um well I don't know if that'll work. can you hear me yeah, yeah hear sounds that. a little better okay uh-huh. All right. um that was kind of my first cue it seems to me like my, a lot of these companies are going to all, all the students have to have the hazardous material for six months. I think in the back of their head that if the federal government does a background check, they're off the hook for some reason. But if you look at the guidelines on the Transportation Security Administration, you can commit a number of crimes and really not be a citizen and still get a hazardous materials endorsement. It's really just a moneymaker. But it doesn't mean that the person's a good person. It doesn't mean that they're not a criminal going state to state anonymously. It just means that they, they slipped through a couple little things. So I don't think that's any sort of gauge on somebody's character. 
um, the way that well, they're putting these people together without any guidance, this is the deal. These are the guidelines. And if you break these guidelines, both, you know, and here's your recourse. Now, they'll say, oh, we give, we give a phone number list and this and we give that. The problem is, once you leave the terminal, nobody ever answers the phone. The people that you meet on orientation day, are, uh, they're smiling that first day, but after that, you don't answer their phone, don't answer their email, don't know who you are, they don't want to know who you are. So there's really nowhere to go for help. You're very far away from home, and you have no one to call. And a lot of these people come out here with a prepaid phone, a $20 sleeping bag from Walmart, and they're eating sandwiches from the points that they're getting from their school card, and they're broke. So you really are the pri- you know, you are the prisoner. Well, from what I see, Desiree, that is, it's first of all, it's the fact that you're putting two strangers uh, together. There could be a man and a woman, two women, two men, and there's really no criteria behind that. Right. No planning whatsoever. Uh, and you have a, 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 a weak background check that seems to be going on. Um, Hello. That, that seems to be a big problem right there. Well, the and go ahead. So the other thing I want to tell people is, just quick, Desiree has about 20 pages written for anybody listening out there, uh, not only on her blog, but on our blog is when she started it. If you if you want to read an entire journal of of endorment, um, it's on the Ask the Trucker blog. Just type in the search bar, uh, Lady Trucker Desiree or something like that, and, and, and it'll pop up. Uh, Day in the Life of a Lady Trucker, and right in the search bar. And it's it take you know it's a lot of reading, but if you're really interested in because in, there's no way she's going to go through everything on this show tonight. We want to really get through what the causes are and the solutions and yeah. why people don't report them and why they're afraid. I mean, there's people tonight that were afraid to even call in after they called us to tell us their problems. So if people are afraid to call in, there's a definite problem out there. I know JB has some stories to tell when he was a trainer, and uh, we might want to just start with him, huh, Alan? Yeah, let's bring JB, and of course you can get a you can read uh, Desiree's uh, stories too at truckerdesiree.com. But JB, uh, you've been a trainer, and, and then we're going to get uh, move on and get Damien in here and everything. But uh, uh, you've been a trainer, and you've heard a lot of stories from women out there on the road too. Uh, what can you tell us from the viewpoint of a trainer and uh, and what you've experienced out there? Wow, you know, um, first off, like you know, I can't say it enough you for bringing this issue into the open because as a trainer one when I when I entered into this heard stories about how people being affected and the level of education that was before these people were released to this industry was such a low level compared to what attorneys Study the length of time that attorneys study that for the same things we are both we are responsible. I mean, they take years to research and study what the regulations and rules that are that do on occasion that we are ultimately responsible for. So that is with it is a low level. Now with 
that it allows one the money generation that uh, Desiree had mentioned on the corporate side of things. It allows the speed and act of, of, of an assembly line, so to speak, to this, to you know, these students. And now, in this happens, get these byproducts, these, these, this downwind of effects that of, of uh, human behavior come along with this. This right here is one of the worst. I've experienced on all sides the, of, of sex nature, the effect, the trainer, which I was hoping to make a difference with. When I became a trainer, which I was a trainer for just under a year, was paired up with men. Had several men. Um, everything was great. Their level of, of uh, experience or their level of, of ability was well enough that it was obvious have you know gone on to the next level. But then I came across the first lady. That I was I was asked if I would going to train. I sure there's no difference between a man or a woman with me. Um, and this lady came onto my truck, apprehensive as began to get to know each other, and right away in our training course, which was a was a nicely designed and formatted program that was that went through, but the level of absorption, the time frame, I think too short. The information that was shared with us that we had to learn, I learned to identify. Um, but nonetheless, this lady, she came to me uh, and was apprehensive, and I began to wonder why. It's kind of standoffish. And I'd already been told that she was a other trainer. So trying to break the ice to know her, it was... It was uh, Kind of uh, the work, um, and the first and foremost, with every driver, I give an evaluation. The first thing I do is take them out into an open lot and and evaluate their base, because I myself do not want to put my life in their hands and they get behind that wheel. Must be confident enough to pass. Test. So this lady absolutely passed all the skill tests. I noticed that she could to watch for my reaction. That told me that there was something wrong there. Not have been watching for the reaction, but more or less waiting for a So as time went on, we began to get to know each other. She began to share and open up with me as she felt comfortable in the ways that I was her to, to expand her mind and, and understand what it was that she was now becoming responsible for. And uh, she began to open up and share with me the reason why she had these other trainers. And it was not, it was not nice. It was not pretty. And I, I gave her the, the advice I had given her, which is, I feel, the only solution to their problem. Things that she shared with me that happened was, one, verbal sexual advancement from one trainer, which she was then failed by that trainer and thrown back to educational system. And then the second trainer was the same thing, except he was a little more aggressive and then to use the shower, came back, 
she was laying without clothes in the sleep. Stood up as she got in, opened up the curtain, and he grabbed her hand and physically touched himself with her hand. And she tried to support this. Now, I'm beginning to understand the apprehensiveness that this woman has, and she's watching me as to what I was going to be doing. Now I'm beginning to understand a lot more. This is psycho, you know, psychological that these women are going through. There is no other way to explain this. And this was a married woman. For a ring, she didn't in any other manner of uh, impetuous behavior or uh, of uh, uh, other type of uh, like press. You know, her thing was she wasn't trying to be provocative in any way. But uh, when I had expressed her my advice, she trusted in that because she, in watching, she felt as though she could believe and trust in what I was telling. Because everything so far up to the point we were at was was, show, was showing itself to be what it was. And my advice was, was to report it to the police and then report it to the company. But because she had already reported it um, I was noticing that she was getting these distracted telephone calls. And I was having to take her away in times when she was driving so that not receiving these calls. And then when she was able to make to return the phone, she was being delayed and stalled in the of what she was doing as to finding out what the company was going to do to these individuals that these illegal and that's what they are they are criminal offenses and that's why I feel the only, only direction that there be is is legal action regarding this, these issues now I watched this young lady get pictured I watched her harassed by the company I watched them try to to intimidate her, making her think that there was some way she had something to provoke this. Nothing that she did any, any of direction in that pattern. And when she was reporting back to her training coordinator, he was letting her training coordinator know that I was this way, that I could be trusted, and that I was somebody that... Um, was uh, seeing a level that, you know, the company, I'm sure, you know, uh, was happy about. And in that, all of a sudden, it opened up this floodgate. No longer these male trainees, but they were all female trainees coming at me, calling me, asking me if I would train them, letting me know that would let me know, hey, I've got ladies that are, which would you like? I'm like, I'm thinking, you mean I get a choice? You know, I thought that they were just assigned. You know, they were in a group, were assigned, it was the next in line. I actually could ask questions about their previous history, about how many years they had, who they, what years they had. It didn't dawn on me until later on when I had a conversation with another trainer about how this information is manipulated. Talking with another trainer and the 
casual conversation at another terminal. I mean, I don't know him. He doesn't know me. But he's, you know, we identified each other as trainers. He had made mention about being able to, he was going to have another trainer pass his trainee to him, and she was going to be his. I said, excuse me. What do you, what, you know, what exactly do you, I mean, what is it that you're trying to to let me know? I mean, it's, you guys are brown knees here? And he goes, oh, no, 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 no. He, he tried to back out of But apparently there was a of trainers sitting around these young ladies, and they were failing them and giving them to another trainer and then failing them and giving them to another trainer. And in my... In, in my course of training these several women that I did, their friends on the phone, while they were on the phone with their friends, were giving them scenarios, and they were asking my opinion or my advice to how to handle those situations where not only men were, the, the male trainers were expressing they were to with them if they wanted to pass, graduate their training course, but also there were women that were expressing these behaviors towards their trainees, these dominant types of, oh, sexually controlling, overbearing types of behaviors. And I was so appalled at this, and the level of control was, was getting dropped, the trainees that I was receiving. And to the point of where I, I received a trainee one time, did an evaluation. A young lady could not even straighten back the truck. So I called the school where she was where she went through and asked them how she can pass skill test, a basic skill test. And they came out and told me, well, don't worry about that. Your job is to train them. I said, no, my job is not to teach them. My job is to enhance what you teach young lady that's in such a such a bind because I get my young lady and I thought okay let me see what I try to do well she got us in such a bind that she tipped the truck up on the one side where all the wheels on one side off the ground make a turn that it scared me so bad I refused to train from that moment on and these ladies experiencing uh, separation from learning anything because the painters they were around were just completely I, I gotta say it wasn't all the trainers that this was happening with this there were a group of these and and ladies were affecting these trainees in this manner where they against block out any any type of uh, good information or any type of trusting rapport that could be built to allow them to receive, you know, the proper training and response that was needed in order to be able to certain while you're driving and help enhance certain behavior. And it was just, it was very, it was heart-wrenching, just nothing but heart to know that this is going on, that the company be on the inside of was and know how companies were reacting. All they wanted to do, they wanted to keep keep it internalized. 
want the ladies to report it to the police. They stalled in their reaction in in getting back with these ladies. As so, time would continue to fly, and my interpretation now is because they were waiting to limitation to pass people so that they couldn't file. They were making these young ladies feel like it was they were probably to blame because of their their death or their their conversation in some way, shape, or form. They were quest for, they were putting into these young ladies' heads. There were things that could have that could have prevented it. When in all actuality, Trucker Desiree said, predators, the background checks are not thorough enough to the trainers. This is something that needs change because every situation that has happened, like over, needs to be reported because it is a criminal act. Not to the company, but it needs to be reported to the police. Desiree. Okay. Uh, thank you, JB. I just want to ask Desiree a question. I know you reached out to a lot of uh, organizations or uh, a lot of women, and I was very shocked when you told me that a lot of the women actually, uh, instead of uh, embracing you, were actually calling you names. Yeah. And that's what I found out amazing. I, I, I It just... I couldn't believe it when you told me that. Well, I mean, there's there women that support me, but there's been a few women who are actually in superior positions, actually supposed leaders, who have attacked me the most. And it was that, that, it was that reaction that I really wanted people to see because was the reaction that women need to know before they come out here. Before you come out here and you think to yourself, I'm going to go to another woman for guidance, you should know that a lot of the women out here don't like other women and they will sabotage you, belittle you, and berate you more than men. And I really wanted people to see that. When this happened to me when I started writing online and I started getting online stalked and bullied, I wanted it to continue because I wanted people to read what was going on for themselves. And I started a thread that has over 2,000 reads on a forum where most of the threads have about reads. 2,000 reads on that thread. Red, and those people were going away, and the same people kept attacking me over and over. In that 2000, a lot of people started finding me elsewhere and going, I want to talk to you because I know you won't bite my head off. And that's what I wanted to show people. This is what I found when I tried to reach out to help. You're guilty until proven innocent. There's there, there are a lot of girls that come out here and they really don't really want to learn, and it's made it bad for the ones that do want to learn. And the company does not offer any guidance. They don't clarify that they are running a business and lay down the law from the get-go. And 
You should not have to come to this job thinking that you have to be a private investigator. It is very stressful to learn to drive this truck. You should not have to worry about somebody breathing down your neck, going through your personal belongings, looking at your personal pictures, stealing your undergarments, leaving you on the side of the road, writing comments about you in the Qualcomm that are false to cover their tracks. So much, um, it's like a little private club these people know ahead of time, and the girl is getting let into slaughter, and you come with a bright-eyed and bushy-tailed ready to learn, and you're getting sabotaged from day one, and you're like, who can I go for help? And the further you dig into this structure, I've had women, uh, women willfully put me on trucks when they knew that person had had several people within days get off their truck under violent circumstances. They knew that person was violent with other women. They knew that person was violent with other men. And they let me get on that truck. They let others get on the truck with these people later. Um, I've seen a deliberate uh, cycle, these people getting recycled that cannot, that have, have uh, problems with their temper, they have problems controlling themselves, and then they let somebody, some five foot two woman, who's trying to learn how to drive the truck, who has the best of intentions, they let her get on that truck and know it. When the woman says it happened, they say, you can't, they say you can't prove it. They said right to my face. You can't prove it. Well, in a fact, I do have pictures, and I did create an email paper trail, and I can prove it. I can prove it. But I wanted to take it to the public, and I wanted people to know. Okay, what, that's one thing I, w- I wanted to touch on. I hate to, I hate to uh, interrupt you, Desiree, but uh, I, we still have Damien. I need to get him on yeah. in here. But quickly, uh, Yancey, uh, one thing I was just sitting here listening to, trucking is so different from your common workplace. They're out there 24-7 alone, really no witnesses to many of these things. Just quickly, how how would somebody go about um, following the correct procedures to reporting this thing? Is It basically, in many cases, comes down to, well, it's, it's, uh, it's their word against ours. Uh, well, you, you're, are you speaking in reference to uh, the, the criminal activity, or well, all of it—the abuse, the uh, just the, the, the driver trainee uh, with the trainer? It's usually just uh, those two people, and you know, no witnesses, uh, and that's kind of a tough barrier for them to, uh, you know. Many times we hear, "Well, who's going to believe me?" You know, it's his word against mine. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that uh, uh, Desiree said earlier that. Um, that really uh, pricked me is this issue about background checks. Um, the, the average job seeker or the average employee has no idea of the level of corruption that takes place uh, in, as a reference to background checks. Now, here's a sobering statistic, and this is a conservative estimate. It is estimated that 20% of all job applicants give false or misleading information on their application for employment. Now, this also includes 
the dates of employment uh, is one big issue that we've just been discussing the last several minutes. The uh, job applicant's criminal history, um, domestic violence or abuse that the individual may have in their past, and companies that do not perform these adequate background checks, whether it's in trucking or whether it's in uh, the power utility industry, regardless, they leave themselves open to what's called negligent hiring and negligent referrals. Now, very quickly, I'll just give you an example of what negligent hiring is. For example, Joe Smith is hired by ABC Incorporated as a cable installer, and in the process of him um, being allowed to enter uh, this young woman's home to install her cable, he rapes the female, and the, it later it comes out that the guy had a criminal history of sexual assault and drug abuse. Now, the company never uh, investigated his background to... Uh, fully or extensively enough to uncover these issues, and then a court could rule that the cable company was negligent because it should have found out that Joe had these issues in his background. Now, the other example of negligent referral involves the fact that, say, the family of the female that was raped and beaten by Joe of ABC Incorporated sues his former employer, one, two, three, Incorporated, for only in providing to ABC Incorporated, the company that uh, hired Joe, with what's called a standard reference. In other words, one, two, three, Incorporated, a former employer of Joe, should have forwarded all that information to Joe's current employer, ABC Corporation which now faces uh, a whole host of legal problems because of this negligent referral. So the issue of uh, background checks is a growing problem. Mm-hmm. And, and in this particular, this is a different situation. You're putting people up there in a very small cupboard, and you're telling them to live together. Right. It's not like it's not your normal HR situation. Uh, it's not your normal work situation. Right. If you're expecting these people to live together, and when I made my police report, when the guys took police on me in New Mexico, and the police were there, you know, the police, here's somebody, you go to a police academy, and all of a sudden you have to team up. And I said to the police officers, you guys must experience some of this because they put you together in teams. Isn't there some tension? And he both looked at each other like, yes. <laughs> you know, I said, do you have any sort of method that they use to put you guys together? And he goes, actually, no, they just put this together. And I said, well, this is the difference. You guys go home at the end of the night and you complain to your wife. You have some sort of an outlet. We don't get that. We get put on a truck and we are gone. And we're supposed to be gone for three, six months. And live together. And it, it's, you know, very little communication from the company except from the Qualcomm. So the whole situation is not comparable except the only thing I can really think of is how the Army going through training. And even the Army has had to c- cover this ground because I know when women first came into the armed forces, we 
you got. You got all these men that haven't ever really been away from home very much, and you got all these women, and and you have a lot of people that have never one been away from home, ever worked for a corporation, ever worked in any kind of a structured program. So what the army do? They tear them apart and they build them back up. They, in the trucking industry, they do nothing. They throw them all in the room together, and they're like, you're on your own. Here's the key to a truck, and here's a gas card. See you later. Yeah, and, and, and that's, that's, that's where trucking is so different. And, Damien, uh, you've been waiting so long. Uh, uh, you were wanting to talk about the psychological effects. I mean, talk about psychological effects, throwing two strangers in a truck and saying, here, take off. That's got to be one of them, right? Well, yeah, sure, uh, Ellen, and um, welcome to the show. Part, uh, yes, thanks for having me on too. And uh, um, part of that too is that when people come into this these training programs, they're they're expecting to be trained for a job. They're not expecting to enter into a war where the company is trying to literally uh, beat them into submission psychologically, so that they can push them into a hundred hour a week training program work schedule and, and deliver these loads. And uh, we at my company, we have a, a terminal in Memphis, and uh, one of my uh, students uh, who became a trainer complained to me. He didn't complain to the company. He complained to me because he trusted me, I guess. And uh, he says, you know, they're giving us uh, a students, first-day students to train, and we have to pick up a overnight run up to Newark, New Jersey, and do this overnight run with a student who doesn't even know how to properly drive a truck. And um, so on his behalf, because he would not file a complaint, uh, that was, they never file complaints. People that complain never file complaints. And I have to give Desiree credit, you know, for doing the police report and telling her story and so forth, but they will not even complain to the company because this is how they're making their money is, is training. So it's not that he was a bad trainer, but he he uh, complained to me about this, that, you know, this was not even a very safe thing to do. Uh, you have no idea whether these students can drive more than two or three hours. Some people get very tired at night. They fall asleep and so forth. So I filed a complaint for them with the FMCSA. And um, this is something I've done for uh, students and uh uh, other people that became trainers that I've that I've trained as students is uh, I ended up filing complaints on their behalf and for myself as well. And psychologically, people are just not prepared to deal with this. They're 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 expecting to be trained like okay, like a postal worker job. Okay, uh, you, you you sort the mail, you, you put it in the groups, you put it in the bag, you deliver it to the houses. You know, they're not they're not expecting to be uh, you know bullied and. Um, and put into this big meat grinder psychologically. Now, if you do uh, stand up to people, I will tell you that, again, in Memphis Terminal, uh, the training manager there has an assistant who is an ex-Navy guy, and he will berate you like you are in the military, like you are literally in the military. And uh, I had asked for... Uh, to have like an extra day or two off during the winter time when it was slow and to not be slip seated for my truck. Well, he got into the conversation with my driver manager. We were, I was asking about this and he started to berate me outside in the Memphis terminal, uh, accusing me of being 
uh, an idiot, uh, on drugs, flying too close to the sun. Uh, he, he, he egged me on to go postal. He was going to do go postal. Are you mental? Are you bipolar? And he was just yelling and screaming. So I kind of let him talk a little bit, and I also responded a little bit in kind. But, you know, I, I was not intimidated. And the reason that people don't file, and Alan and Donna, uh, I have this all detailed out and links onto my blog, and maybe we need to get those links onto your blog and JP's comments as well and get this all in one place. Sure. But, you know, if you look on my links, and I'll tweet them out uh, on my Twitter page as well, I have filed over the years literally uh, 20 pages worth of complaints with uh, at least six, seven, or eight different agencies. And this is what you have to do uh, just to keep these people off your back and just to hold your own ground. And you can't negotiate individually anything with these companies. They're, they're all set up to have a, uh, a grievance procedure where you go to driver manager, supervisor, assistant, terminal manager. Terminal manager goes to the HR. HR makes a decision which uh, just so happens agrees with the company policy. Yeah, so not your friend. <laughs> right. So what's your recourse? Then you have to file a complaint like I did. And these uh, companies, they have political connections. Sometimes they get control of these agencies. And so they get these agencies not to respond back to you. I've got several even filed this year that they're not responding back to me. So then you have to get with your legislator and then ask your legislator to assist you to get them to respond back to you. And then, of course, uh, a lot of these owners of these large trucking companies are also uh, campaign managers uh, in Arizona for the re-election committee of George Bush, for example, is my boss. So they have political connections, and now your only recourse is to do what we're doing right now is to take it public and uh, tell the people publicly. So here you are, a student. You're coming in. You're expected to be trained for a job. You've read an ad that's very misleading. It doesn't tell you it's going to be uh, 60, 80, 90, 100 hours, hours of work a week. And, and you're thrown into this situation, and all you want is a job, and you, you're not uh, against working hard, but everybody in the company is geared toward just grinding you into this system. And these training programs, they sort for two things. One of two things, either somebody who's extremely docile and uh, can be very compliant and do whatever the company wants, and they generally do the bad loads, loads that anybody doesn't want, and they get very low miles and very low pay. The second type of person they're looking for is just the opposite. They're looking for someone probably like Desiree or JB. Not me. I can't do it. I'm, I can't drive 10 or 11 hours straight. But they're looking for people that can drive 10, 11 hours straight, work 14 to 20 hours a day, They'll talk them into being owner-operators, and then mm -hmm. they still can't make it financially because that's also a scam, which is detailed out on Alan's uh, webpage as well at Ask the Trucker. So the new scam is, guess what they've become? They become trainers, and they train a student because they get paid by the mile. So now you've got another psychological angle. The guy that's training you is also making his bread and butter, uh, you know, forcing you into this system one way or the other. Either you're going to be like that trainer or you're going to be somebody extremely docile and compliant and uh, get very low pay. Now, yeah, I've had a student, in fact, who was in one of these low pay situations, and he complained to me that he was working like 14, 16, 17, 18 hours a day for like $75 a day, $200 a week, and he finally quit when they kept giving them overweight loads 
But one time they gave him one out of state, and uh, that's when he decided to quit. And I filed a complaint on his behalf on the overweight thing. And, uh, you know, this is the kind of situation. Again, they tried, he complained to me that they treated him like dirt. He even would have stayed. He was so compliant, this guy. And he was an older gentleman. He was a really nice guy. And he would have stayed, he said, if, he would have, if they would have treated him better. And later on, the company did put up a lot of posters about treating the drivers better and so forth. But that's how they treat um, the students. That's how they treat, they uh, seduce the trainers with promises of money, like 90000 a year. So the trainer has a lot of incentive, and he even uh, may be gone bankrupt if he doesn't get into a training program and lose a lot of money because of the payments on his truck. Now, when I was a trainer, I had a very good coordinator, a lady that worked with me, and we tried to encourage the students to um, do a lot of backing and, you know, while out on the road and training. And that's one of the things I wanted to do was help the students with things I never got help with, and uh, backing with my first trainer was one of them. But guess what? She also quit. And like Yancey said, it was psychological. She said that the manager at the Memphis Terminal, who I've also filed complaints with, and you can read it up on the blog or Alan's blog, we put the links there, he, she complained to me that he just literally treated her like a dog. And she, she was uh, uh, very upset about it, and she eventually quit. And she was a great coordinator. She would help uh, encourage the students and um, encourage them to learn and work with the trainer. And uh, you know, she's no longer there. And, you know, she was so bold as to make suggestions on how to improve the training program. <laughs> and uh, she's no longer there. So, if, you know. I'm seeing at my company. I'm seeing this at my company. Is it that are concerned about the students and their success are being laid off and they're being fired and the ones that torment students and provoke them and put them in, in unsafe situations time and, and people who have had several complaints made about them are the ones that are getting promoted and the ones that are staying on board. And that is yep. what's really causing a lot of suspicion. That's like a feather in your cap that the students are always complaining. They figure well, you must be doing a good job, uh, you know, pushing them, you know, and you know, making them work and so forth. Is, you know, it's probably uh, the way they're looking at it, uh, Desiree. So, um, yeah. you know, absolutely. So th that's what's going on at these companies is uh, once the companies talk you into being an owner-operator trainer, they have virtually almost no expense on that truck, and they're getting a team for the price mm -hmm. of one driver, and uh, it's all profit, and they're running these overnight runs, uh, FedEx runs and things like that, and that's an extremely high-paying freight, and um, it's, it's just uh, a cash cow for them. These training programs are cash cows. They're, they're not training programs. Uh, you're, the, the, the irony of the training program is the better the trainer does his job, the less money he makes. The worse he does his job, the more money he makes. So that's the irony of, of, of the whole thing. And then meanwhile, the company is not even exposed to any losses or potential losses and they can only make uh, a profit because the, the truck's being paid for by the trainer and the miles are being run by the trainer and the student. Now, we have a weird situation at our terminal in Memphis, again, that on the south side of Memphis at our terminal, there are drivers sitting around, single drivers, with no freight for days, waiting for a load. On the north side of Memphis, 
at Millington, which is a now infamous uh, training facility, they are training students hand over fist to go into these training trucks. And it makes you wonder, with the big recession going on, why are they doing that? The reason is these training trucks are their team trucks. There is a real shortage of, of teams. There is a shortage. They will pay bonuses for teams. They'll pay 10% above the going rate for teams. And what happens at these training schools is they get teams, and they don't have to not only do they have to pay a bonus for them, but the student literally pays them to uh, let them be on the truck through their uh, school loans and so forth. So that's why they're training these students in the middle of a recession when there's no freight, and they're going to put them on a truck and send them someplace with no freight because they need them for these trainer teams to deliver the expedited freight, for example, Memphis to Newark, New Jersey, as a common FedEx run. And uh, that's what's really going on. And like I said, when a student comes into that situation, they're getting yelled at and screamed at by the trainers and all kind of mean notes are being put on the Qualcomm that they don't even know about. And, you know, uh, I, I remember myself, I was really afraid to go back into the uh, area where the driver managers worked because that was like the office area and it was like a non-driver's area. I mean, you're literally afraid to even go into the office areas. I mean, you're, you're so intimidated and um, that's, that's what happens uh, at these large uh, CDL mills. That's, that's what's going on. Things that, that I really wanted to bring up is that one of the things that they were doing is, first of all, you, I was not told that you can put messages in the Qualcomm and then delete it so the other person can't see it. So a lot of these putting in a team or whatever, they're already saving a path because they're sending messages into the dispatcher about you. You may not even know what people are saying about you. Creating yeah. an image of you. What I found was that they were putting notes in the computer about me, and the reason that I caught it was I happened to use that logistics system before. When I saw it, I knew what it was, and I knew that there was a note-taking system in it. And I also knew every time I talked to somebody, they treated me different. First, they were nice, but as soon as they pulled up my employee number, they treated me really bad. And I started really gauging these people, and I caught them them, and I, and I got notes, and I ended up having those notes removed, but I know that they do it. Now, these are people that are not trained in-house with your personal information, that people are, are making all kinds of notes. They're harming people's lives. You know, somebody writes in, there, oh, she's a, a you know, a B-word. Uh, you know, you, you called because you, you got no air conditioning. You called and you said, I need air conditioning, and you were curt with somebody on the phone, and they, they were in a bad mood. And dispatchers, they get the, this little power trick because they're in their you know, mid-20s, late-20s. They, they, you know, they run it like telemarketers, so they're very retaliatory. So you start having people putting these notes in the computer, and if you call and you're in distress, you have these people acting out on your deliberately not taking your call, disconnecting you, leaving you stranded with no money, um, telling, kicking you off your truck, all kinds of stuff like this, all kinds of logical things that are going on because of these notes uh, that, that they put on, in the computer about you. Oh, yeah, and uh, if you file complaints, Desiree, um Let's say you complain about, well, one thing that happens with me, I always get illegal dispatches, and if you complain about that, mm -hmm. guess what? Um, 
they'll use the log rules, they'll nitpick you to death, and, uh, you know, they'll audit your log books. But if you complain to them about something they're doing wrong, then they'll mm-hmm. turn around and they'll try to intimidate you back with the log rules. And I don't know if you realize this, but they can really nitpick. I'm not talking like your logs are off three or four hours or something. I'm talking about it might be off 15 minutes or something like that. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's just literally nitpicking type things. And uh, if you, I noticed right away this whole system with the Qualcomm is very much like hot potato. They say something provocative to you, and then you have to say something provocative to them. You have to know the magic words like "I feel unsafe," mm-hmm. "unsafe," or "I'm violating my hours of service." Then you throw the hot potato back on on that. You have to know these magic words to deal with them. They will provoke you relentlessly nonstop and have you doing all kinds of crazy things that's going to eventually affect your service record and your CDL and your long-term future in this business. Yeah, let, let's, oh, yeah. Move, let's move into that. We've got about 25 minutes now. There's, there's uh, so many abuses and scams in trucking, and that's that's where – we jumped in three or four years ago with Truth About Trucking, and so many people like yourselves are, are out there, and we're, we're trying to make these things known. Um, we, we've, we've been talking about uh, the, uh, the abuses and some of the things that's going on out there. Now let's use this last 25 minutes or so about solutions, what, um, what, what can be done, what should be done. Um, uh, Yancey, I, I know you may be new to uh, the trucking. Uh, any of this surprise you, or is this just uh, common workplace stuff that you've heard about before? Well, uh, Aubrey, I, I've just uh, been fascinated listening to uh, uh, Desiree's uh, stories and also the uh, other, other stories. One thing that is consistent regardless of the industry is two things. Either the employer has an attitude of appreciation or it has an attitude of exploitation. If there is an attitude of appreciation, then you have, uh, even though there's, there's no perfect world, you're going to have a, a harmonious workplace where the employee feels appreciated the employee is rewarded for his or her efforts, and you have a safe environment, a secure environment, and you have an environment where there's going to be a high level of morale. On the flip side of that coin, if you have a work environment that encompasses all of the things that we've been listening to for the last uh, hour and a half, work the bullying sexual harassment, um, out-and-out fraud and scams of, um, for uh, the sole purpose of extracting money from people and then just um, manufacturing ways to uh, get them out the door. Then you're going to have an environment where you're going to have violence, as Desiree has already pointed out in just reading uh, her day in the life of a lady trucker, uh, I've, I've only been able to read the first several pages, and I'm really looking forward to finishing that. But just reading some of the statistics of women who are getting murdered, 
uh, Desiree's uh, very graphic description of of women being raped, uh, assaulted. Yeah, we haven't. We didn't even touch on all that. Yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and now, so the bottom line for me is this: as when we're talking about solutions. First thing is, and this is what I always tell all my visitors and, and people that um, uh, I have counseled in mediation. It, and as far as it's dealing with any employment situation, I've listened very carefully to a lot of what's been said, and I've just been fascinated that I'm getting this good education that I had no idea these type of issues were going on in trucking, even though I know it you know, doesn't matter what the industry, you're going to have these type of workplace problems, but the, but the level that, that I'm hearing in trucking. Number one, I always tell people this. Before you go into any employment situation, you should first seek to learn what your rights are, what your employment rights are going to be, now, those rights may vary from industry to industry, but the bottom line is if you walk into that workplace and you're armed with knowing what you're entitled to, it's going to be a lot harder for that employer to violate them. Number two, do some investigation of the company before you even go into the company. Uh, and some of the ways that you can do this is you can contact the local Better Business Bureau, uh, you can make inquiry of the local law enforcement agencies. Does the company or the trucking company have any issues dealing with criminal activity? Uh, what is the culture of the company? Do you, is there anyone that you know that works for the company that can give you a heads up in terms of what you can expect if you go into their training program or if you go to uh, go in to work for the company outright? Um, getting with some of the local, state, and federal consumer advocacy groups to find out if there's any uh, formal complaints that have been filed against the employer, dealing with sex, age, race, uh, any type of discrimination or any type of negative employment issues that this company has had. If the company has a website, go to that company's website. Go to their About Us page. Thoroughly research all of that those types of issues about that company before you make a decision um, about going into that uh, situation. Uh, the gentleman made a, a very apropos comment when he said people expect to walk into an employment situation to get trained for a job. They don't expect to walk into this this minefield of all this, this warfare and all of this uh, nastiness that's going on that's aimed at me, and now I'm in the middle of it and what do I do so all of these things are the effect we need to deal with the cause and the cause is unfortunately people still overall don't have the mindset to learn their basic employee rights before they go into an employment situation now that's not going to be a catch-all cure-all but that is certainly going to be one possible solution that is going to make that individual better prepared to know what to expect or know what to avoid. How about, I know, Damien. Yes. How about uh, uh, documenting, taking and making a, uh, a habit of documenting the daily activities that uh, to help be able to re revisit and reference 
conversations with the people that you're supposed to have contact with within the industry. I feel that this, a lot of times there are things that happen, and then there are other things that overshadow, and a lot of people forget, and or they let it go and go on and figure, well, you know, uh, that's in the past, and I'll continue forward because got this persistence to be able to, you know, uh, that I've got to be able to pass, uh, and I've got to provide for my family, so I've got to put up a little bit of bad to get the foot out of it. I think you're right, JB. They they tend to rationalize, and also the victim also tends to identify with the abuser sometimes. And you're very abused in the trucking industry. And I want to really thank Yancey um, for helping us understand the, the legislative and uh, the law end of all this. And I, I really agree, like, know your employee rights. I think that's absolutely right. But a lot of that other stuff, um, that's pretty much been uh, the standard um, solutions that have been proposed for decades. And it, it really hasn't um, helped anything. And I think public awareness of what is going on. And people are afraid to even say the names of these owners. And I'm not going to say the names because we agreed not to tonight. But on my blog, I will. And I will say this, that one of these corporations has a public figure now running for office in Cedar Rapids, Ron Corbett. And I would ask Ron Corbett why he's running for public office instead of fixing what's wrong at his company. And we have a right to ask him this. He's a public official. You need to bring this stuff up in the public and debate it. And it's very awkward uh, when these people that you can't relate to, they, they own millions of dollars. They own franchise teams, sports teams. They own casinos. It's, it's very intimidating. But they also have an owner. They have a board of directors. And we should know their names, the board of directors' names, and why they're not doing their due diligence and doing their fiduciary responsibilities like they should have been doing in the banking industry, why they're not doing it in the trucking industry. Uh, before it gets way out of hand. I want to say that you should know that the Human Resources Department is not a resource for you as an employee. They are to protect the company from getting sued. They're going to smile at you. They're going to shake your hand. They're going to thank you for your statement. And they're going to send you back to work, and they are not going to help you. There's Amen, sister. On the internet, or you can check these companies out. Um, some of them are not current. I like this ripoff report, but I did did find out that if you put in V as in versus for a lawsuit, V period space and the company name, you're going to find out what lawsuits these companies are involved in. Now, if they have settled, you will not find that public you will find so many different lawsuits. Some companies you'll find no lawsuits. I just looked up one company that my son works for who has a really good training program, and they have a really good, very clear sexual harassment uh, program that they go over with everybody. But then I put in another name, and I've got like several pages of lawsuits. I can really see a picture of this company and how they conduct business. They more money getting themselves out of trouble than they do doing a good job and treating people decent. So this is a very good way that you can do your own research at home on the prospective company that you're planning on going to. And you can should you repeat that, Desiree? 
when you if you Google and you put in the letter V period as in the versus, is huh? yes, V is versus. Yes. Uh-huh. V period space and then the company's name that you're planning on going to. You'll find out what lawsuits are related, what they're involved in, whether they are not paying their bills, if they are fighting for fatalities, if they've got some claims against them, all sorts of things, and what courts it's from. I spoke to a lawyer yesterday, and he said in cases uh, that are settled, it's going to be harder to find that public record. But I have done this with my companies that I know have a good reputation, and I've done it with companies that have bad reputations. You can see it right there for yourself. If these companies are spending all their time defending themselves from their bad business practices, you bet they're going to treat you like a dog. So you should avoid them like a plague. I, I have one thing I'd I want to bring up that Alan brought up. And he said, in the meantime, we're going to talk about some more solutions. I know Damien has a, a couple that he wants to talk about. Alan brought up, how do you prove your word against other person's word if something's going on in a situation like this? Okay, I... You know, and I and I had I've had a lot of people go, well, you girls need to have a voice recorder and you need to have this. And I said this to my HR department. I said nobody goes and applies for a job with the training, with, uh, like their secret agent man decoder ring and voice activated camera and you know, secret you know spy equipment. But unfortunately, that's what you're gonna have to do. If you get a smartphone, or you get a PDA, or you have some sort of a phone that one email, make a paper trail. I have the emails, everybody in my company, the first three letters of their last name and the first three letters of their first name put together with the company name. I, I made a paper trail between these people in advance what was happening, not for Qualcomm, but between me and them, and I sent it to different people. I know that they have a lot of communication in their company. Well, I was sending it to all of them. I knew they weren't communicating it to each other. So they all knew they weren't telling each other. They almost hung themselves with their own rope. I also took pictures of everything that went on as it happened. I had a voice recorder on my phone, but and I gave these voice recordings. These people were having their out crazy outbursts, but my company would not play them. One of the incidents I had because what happened at a casino where it could have all been recorded, they could have had everything documented, but they chose not to investigate it. They lied to me and said they investigated it, but they never did. And I know they lied because I kept in contact with casino security, and I'm still in contact with them today. And to this day, they have never called, but they've lied to me sometimes and said they have. So you got to take control of the situation yourself. Get your own evidence. Get uh, Most phones do have a recording device, a recording voice memo on it now. Um, keep your things locked up. People steal your stuff out here. They will um, go through your personal. I, see, I hear this over and over people going through your under things and taking your under things, going through your phone, looking at your personal pictures, um, these kinds of things. 
I was told that I was being recorded in the sleeper every time I took my clothes off. This is a a side of trucking that that Mm. doesn't get out there. That's what we're trying to do. Others are jumping on. I know Daniel Ardett of truckstar.com. And Truck Driver News is coming on to Blog Talk Radio, so and we're going to be having more shows on this. But isn't it amazing that the things you're saying, Desiree, that people have have to do that when all they're wanting to do is just make a living and provide for their families? Isn't that something? Exactly. It's sad. It's really sad because all I wanted was to do a good job, and I call. I told my dispatcher, I said, all I want to do is do a good job out here. Why are you provoking me to have to act like a crazy maniac? Because I don't want to be bothered with stuff. I just want to do my job and do a good job. You know, and what I what I really saw about three months into this is the people that act like raving lunatics, they're the only ones that get any attention. The people that just do their job and act passive, they push them around, they push them around, they take advantage of them. And push them to the breaking point. More you, uh, the more that you are quiet and passive, the more they put you in situations that are intolerable. When you fight back and have to act like a crazy maniac, then they want to keep you quiet. But why do you have to provoke me to that point? This is a stressful job already. Why can't I just be a good employee and do my job? Why isn't that not good enough? Why don't they model themselves as the good companies? Uh, yeah, and I don't, you know, I have been on, um, I have been on Twitter, uh, who has a big uh, company, a big trucking company. He said the other day that any company would be proud to have you, and that made me feel so good because I know someday I'm going to have enough experience to go to a reputable company that actually, that not, they don't just say they value their drivers, they do it, and the biggest thing that people need to know. Actions speak louder than words. These companies will sit there and smile at you and tell you they're the greatest thing to slice bread, and they will sell their product with a total lie and will sell you down the river. You need to well, find somebody that actions speak louder than words. Yeah, and, uh, Desiree, uh, I was going to say, yeah, I just want to see. Yeah, uh, Alan, I just wanted to say um, one of the solutions here, which is moving to another company, is something else that has been going on for decades, and it works for the individual that's in a position to do that. But for the people that are left at the company and for the new people coming into the company, okay, that's not going to fix it for them. So, you know, I, I think that's a great idea, and you deserve it for everything you've gone through. But we need to do things like uh, required laws that these schools have to disclose the work hours that the students are going to put in per uh, hour on the truck, the pay per hour on the truck, which is going to be minimum wage or less for every hour that you're on the truck, which you're going to average in pay, and uh, the dropout rate. And uh, this will uh, embarrass the companies into fixing the problem with the work hours, the extreme work hours, uh, also, I have proposed at my company for years now, years and years, that it would work really good with the women drivers coming in now, too, is instead of two people running a truck and one person really can't train the other person while they're switching off and on driving, you're not even allowed to be in the front seat 
uh, with the uh, other person driving, it, you know, if you're running a team truck, technically, is that these large companies, uh, and I'm just going to give some examples, CRST, Covenant, Swift, uh, England, they can afford to pay and develop larger trucks with bigger sleepers that would accommodate three people with APUs, with uh, electrical, with air, heat, and uh, you could have one person sleeping in the back while the other person's up studying a video, training video. And these, would, these trucks would be run by three people. And because of the shortage of women, it would work very good for the women. And you would have to have video training as well because a lot of these trainers don't train. So at least if you had a video program, you know, they could pick up what they need to pick up on the video. Ideally, the trainer would just go over what the student's not picking up from the video or the DVD and just emphasize uh, training on those points, which is more efficient. Instead of supposedly training 100%, they might just train 25% of what the student doesn't understand. So these large companies running these CDL mills, I think they owe something back to all the people they've screwed over, developed these trucks, developed this program. I've heard excuses for years and years and years. Another thing, part of this academy school, when you first go into the school, that student, instead of going to the academy, should be allowed to go out on the truck, a real truck with just a regular driver, and the first week he could just, again, study DVDs and things that you see at the academy anyway, and study his logging or whatever they study the first week at the academy, because none of it's driving anyway, and just see what it's like out here on the road. And if they see out on the road that, hey, this guy's working 20 hours a day, he's putting in a 14-hour day, plus he's got two hours of trip planning before and two hours of paperwork after, hey, I don't want to do this. And so you only have to pay for the first week of school. So if it's a four-week, $4,000 school, you get out with $1,000 instead of losing 20, 30, 40, 50,000 three or four years later trying to become an owner-operator. Once the public and the uh, students see what's happening before they get involved and pressed into this mold and bullied into it, really, then they can make an intelligent decision and get out. That's when you want to get out. You don't want to get out at the point Desiree's at, where she's literally been thrown off the truck, harassed, assaulted, bullied, and she's still being bullied today. You want to get out the first week. When you see what a uh, scam this whole trucking industry is, and you get out, and these trucking companies can't fill the trucks, then they will start to change. So that's another thing you have to do is public shame. There's a large women's organization. One of these companies that has over 200 harassment suits filed against them is a sponsor of a large women's association supposedly helping women. They should temporarily suspend that company. The president should suspend them. If not, I would say, why is she not suspending them? Is she trying to help them cover up, or what's the deal here? So you have to shame these companies. You cannot coddle them. You cannot make excuses for them. You cannot ignore it, and you cannot make excuses for it. Tell them, hey, you're suspended until your name's cleared, and you can be a sponsor again. What this okay. organization is doing, I've noticed, they're trying to direct women to places where the improvements have already fought for, and one, for example, at YRC, by their employers. So, ladies, you know, uh, don't just go where the, uh, the employees have already improved the situation. You know, you know, I've heard it said many times, you want to be as good as the men. Don't be as good as the men. The men have screwed up for the last three or four decades. Be better than the men. <laughs> 
help implement this team system. Hey, call me. If you'd like to work behind the scenes, call me. I'll work with you behind the scenes, and we'll, we'll implement it. We'll fix it. I'll have to jump in here. Good advice. We're almost out of time. Four minutes down. Uh, just like we're saying, these abuses do go on. That's what we're trying to do. We'll have more shows. Other shows are coming up from other people as well. Nancy, can Nancy give his um, URL for to, if they want to see his site and what he has? Oh, yes. Um, uh, the web URL is um, youcanlearnbasicemployeerights.com. There's a hyphen between each word except um, the rights.com. And uh, I'd just like to thank Aubrey and uh, uh, Donna again for uh, helping me to get uh, a lot more education in, in what's going on in the trucking industry. And I'd just like to tell uh, the, 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 all the guests, thank you, too, and all your listeners, one of the most best solutions that you can, you, you can come up with, not only to uh, help solve some of the problems in the trucking industry, but whatever career endeavor you want to go into, is learn your basic employee rights before you go into that situation. And that, along with all of the other good solutions that uh, the panelists have talked about, is going to make things better for everyone. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Yancy. I'm going to tweet out your thing. Great talking to you. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate everybody being on. Um, and again, like I said, we'll have more shows on this. Other, uh, other, everybody else out there, a lot of other people are going to be having shows. We're going to continue with this because these abuses have to be addressed. And uh, just like this, we want to see it change. I, I think I think that's a, a, an important thing. Right. Um, you know, we want to we want to see change. We want to see them get better. Nobody wants to see companies go out of business. We want them to change for the benefit yeah. of people and their rights. And and just their dignity, mm-hmm. and and we'll support anybody who actively acts like they want change. Right, right. You know, we shouldn't be out here having to do that. We should be taking the initiative to do it because people are hurting right now. They need jobs, and if you're saying we've got jobs, then give them the job. Let them learn and stop tormenting them. And thank you to all the great companies out there who do things right. Yeah, because they are out there. Amen. (laughs) uh, We don't want to leave them out. (laughs) Yes, let's give credit where credit is due. They're hard to find, though. (laughs) And let's let's give discredit where discredit is due. Yeah, exactly. That's true, too. Absolutely. Exactly. And And that's in order to bring about the change, like Donna was saying. And that's what we're all in here for. We're not here to bash or try to be troublemakers we just want change and uh when these kind of abuses are going on there needs to be change it's just outrageous and so many people don't want to talk about it we're all talking about it and we'll continue to do so you can check with um, our website at uh, blogtalkradio.com slash truth about trucking and you can see our uh, schedule of shows there uh, when we're going to be having them and everything and we will be back again so Again, thanks to all the callers, uh, everybody in the chat room. I uh, appreciate it. Uh, uh, thanks for being here. And uh, we will be back. Just check our website. And, uh, yes, we will be everybody. back. This is just the first of one. <laughs> Many more to come. Thanks again, everybody. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank um, you. Uh-huh. Good night. Good night. Good night, Nancy. Uh,